The following is a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary and is made possible by the generous financial support of our listeners and friends. For more information about the seminary, how you can support it, or applying to become a student, please visit gpts.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff and I'm the host of the podcast, also Director of Advancement and Admissions, and I'm excited to kick off our long-awaited denominational debrief segment of the podcast. I'm a bit late this year in getting everything together, but all of our interviews are scheduled and arranged, and I'm excited to welcome into the studio today for our ARP denominational debrief, Pastor Ben Glazer. Ben, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Zach. It's good good to be with you. Pastor Glazer is the pastor of Bethany ARP, Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church in Clover, South Carolina, and he has graciously agreed to join me via Zoom to discuss the 217th General Synod of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. It was held back in June, June 8th through 10th in Columbia, South Carolina at the historic First Presbyterian Church of Columbia. Those who are in the ARP or who have followed the ARP and are aware of their typical practice know that that just the venue itself is remarkable uh, because of um, travel restrictions and and certain considerations uh, in the state of North Carolina. The synod was not held at its typical venue, Bond Clarkin Retreat Center up in Flat Rock, North Carolina, but rather was held in South Carolina, where, where it was a bit easier to gather. Uh, Pastor Glazer, like I said, ministers at Bethany ARP in Clover. Uh, He's been there since 2017. He's originally from West Virginia and a Marine Corps vet. He's a graduate of the University of Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. While he was at PTS, he also completed some coursework at the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary there in the Berg. For seven years, he labored as an ARP minister in Ellisville, Mississippi, at Ellisville Presbyterian Church, and he and his wife, Brandy, have four children. It is my delight to have my friend on the podcast today. Ben, as we kick off our denominational debrief, um, my, my first basic question is, who served as moderator this year, and why might that have been remarkable? This year, we were blessed uh, to have uh, Patrick Malfers, who's the pastor of the Old Providence Associate Reform Presbyterian Church in uh, Virginia. And one of the neat things about that is that his father, uh, Philip Malfers, previously served as moderator of the Synod and handed off the gavel to his son. And it was a blessing to be able to witness that. One of my duties in the Synod is I am the bill clerk of the Synod. And so I get to sit up front with all the fancy people and uh, see all the stuff from the backside. And so to see that in up front was quite nice. And why was it remarkable that the assembly gathered at First Pres rather than at Bond Clarkin? I hinted at it in my intro, but I, I figured I should let you speak to that a little bit. We are blessed in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church to have as the governor of South Carolina, Henry McMaster, who is a member at First Columbia, uh, BARP, and be a man who welcomes us into this great Palmetto State to join together. So we were able to do so without any kind of restrictions or any outside interference by the civil government. And so we were blessed to be back in Columbia. Of course, we had met back in the fall at Columbia for the same reason. You know, we had pushed back our normal synod like most everybody else and had met in October down in Columbia, and we're glad to do so again. Uh, We were fed quite well uh, by First Columbia. 
which is always the highlight of sinning for me, uh, is eating. And so they, <laughs> they blessed us with good food. And uh, being in Columbia in June isn't always the, the best uh, physical location, but we were mightily blessed uh, to be down there. When you said you were fed quite well at first, I was thinking by the sermons and by the ministry of the word. And then you, of course, took it to quite literally and physically speaking of um, of your actual like food, food. And so that that is a uh, that is classic uh, South Carolina kind of move. I love it. We love our food, especially our barbecue in South Carolina. Uh, ben, how many congregations, members, ministers are currently in the ARP? Give us a rundown of the basic stats. Well, right now, we have roughly about 253 congregations in the ARP. Um, of course, that number fluctuates up to quite a, a little bit. But um, our official numbers from the uh, Senate this year was we have 28,257 members uh, spread across uh, 10 presbyteries. And the vast majority, of course, of our churches are located in the Carolinas and in Georgia. Uh, but we have uh, a number of churches up north of the Mason-Dixon line uh, in Pennsylvania, New York. Uh, and we also have a Canadian presbytery. And one of the unique things about this synod this year is that our Canadian brothers and members of Northeast Presbytery, uh, because of decisions made by their civil governments were not able to join us at Senate. And so they met with us by a Zoom and we were uh, blessed to be able to have them with us. We consider, especially our Canadian brethren, uh, to be quite an appreciable asset to the denomination. You know, they kind of keep us on track. You know, the, the old saying about Washington, D.C., you know, that it's a, a run with northern charm and southern efficiency. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, having the Canadians allows us again to be uh, you know, focused upon our work. Matter of fact, um, you know, uh, someone known uh, to the listeners, uh, Jeff Kingwood, uh, served as our moderator uh, several years ago, and people still talk about the fact that the quickest we ever got done at Senate was when uh, Reverend Kingwood was our moderator. And uh, matter of fact, next year uh, we'll be blessed. Uh, by having Elder uh, Bill Mackay, who is an elder at uh, uh, at uh, Reverend Kingwood's church there in Ontario, uh, be our incoming moderator. Yeah, I I, uh, I noticed that and I celebrated it as well. Um, we have a close relationship here at Greenville Seminary with Grace Presbyterian Church there in uh, Woodstock, Ontario. And um, Pastor Kingswood, for a long time, was the chairman of our board and kept our meetings very efficient. And um, and he's also a god. Much more importantly, he's a godly brother and, and a fine preacher. And he's spoken at our conference multiple times. And you know, when when the government allows, I guess we can say that now. He he typically joins us for our spring conference. He's also a, a trustee for the Banner of Truth Trust, with, with which we have a very close relationship. Then. Uh, you know, how many of these churches do you think were actually represented in the Senate, either physically or by Zoom? Was it pretty well represented? Was everybody uh, was there and accounted for? We had not quite record attendance, uh, of course, due to COVID stuff, but we did have a very large contingent, um, somewhat higher than normal. And, uh, you know, part of it is being in Columbia. You know, it's somewhat easier for some of our um, elders, especially, uh, to attend in Columbia 
uh, not just because of proximity, but you know the uh, uh, churches out in what we like to call our western frontier uh, in Mississippi and Arkansas, Louisiana and Texas. Uh, it's a little bit easier to drive to Columbia than it is Bon Clark. Uh, so we were we were mightily blessed. And of course, uh, being at First Presbyterian Church in Columbia, you know, gave us an opportunity to be a little closer with one another than we are sometimes when we're at the at the Yab uh, up in uh, Bon Clark. Uh, can you give me a high-level overview of what was covered by the Synod? The main issue that we covered at Synod this year has to do with our retirement plan. Uh, as anybody who's involved in any kind of older business knows, uh, you know the old uh, defined benefit plan was for a long time a mainstay of corporate America. And uh, for those of us in, in somewhat more established denominations, uh, that was also a part of our, well, like everybody else's defined benefit plan uh, and anything else built upon a pyramid, the top became heavier in the bottom. And so we ran into some pretty serious uh, physical troubles because of that. But the Lord has been extremely gracious to us in that. And so we were able to deal with that this summer. And uh, we can talk more about that in a little bit. But the other big uh uh, subjects that we dealt with uh, this year at Senate had to do with approving a brand new uh, directory of uh, private and family worship, which we were glad to receive and which has now been officially adopted by the Senate. And so we recommend that. You can find that on uh, ARP Senate, uh, ARPchurch.com. And uh, that can be a blessing to y'all. Also, we uh, uh, took in uh, papers that our committee on theological concerns uh, are working on related both uh, to uh, governmental interference and COVID-19 as well as Freemasonry. Now, we haven't made any decisions on those, but we have received them. And so we also took in a report from our committee on a restructuring. One of the things that we're engaged in right now in the ARP is asking two questions. One, who are we? And two, what are we going to do? And part of that is rethinking how uh, the bureaucracy of ARP operates. One of the things we did this year was approve the dissolution of a couple of Senate committees, as well as a board that oversees uh, Christian education. And the idea there is that we are going to streamline how we operate, and we're also going to return back to uh, what is termed a Thornwellian view of the church in regards to the question about boards and agencies. And so we look forward to the future of that, but we got that started this year at Senate. When you say um, you all dealt with a couple of issues uh, regarding government interference uh, or engagement or the place of the civil magistrate, I should say, in the life of the church, and also Freemasonry, are these issues that you all have studied or broached in the past and you're revisiting, or are these fresh looks at these things? Uh, the uh, report on Freemasonry 
uh, came out of a memorial. In ARP, we refer to overtures as memorials, just for terminology. Uh, a memorial from our Canadian presbytery asking to study the issue of Freemasonry. And so we formed, uh, we sent that to our committee on theological those concerns, and they've been working on that since the 2019 Senate. Uh, they're not done with their work, but they sent a paper to the Senate for review and feedback on uh, the question of whether or not uh, Freemasons and those involved in secret societies can serve uh, in the office of minister or elder or deacon in the ARP. And in 2019, when that was first introduced, uh, there was obviously much discussion on the floor and it, we'll, we'll see where that goes, but there's no real defined end to that committee's work right now on that subject. Now on the civil government side, uh, they've also sent out a report for study and feedback in regards to how the denomination presbyteries, how individual churches can deal with the civil magistrate when the magistrate puts down uh, requirements that may or may not be in keeping with her authority as the civil magistrate. And of course, one of the historical things about the ARP is that we descend both from seceders and covenanters, and the seceders and covenanters both agreed that uh, the civil magistrate, in accordance with the original Westminster Confession of Faith uh, chapter on civil government, was to be a foster father and a nursing mother. But as we all agree on, that nursing stops when it comes to the worship of Christ church and the sacraments. And so we're looking more into how to define that and help our churches, especially up north, uh, where uh, governments have taken a more direct uh, uh, move in the last year and a half in trying to impose on the church restrictions when it comes to meeting and the like. So those were the two kind of major things on, on that regard. A little bit ago, you mentioned the name of James Henley Thornwell, particularly in relation to how the ARP is going to restructure things regarding their boards or agencies and the work of the church at the synodical or national level. In a nutshell, what do you mean when you say that the ARP is becoming more Thornwellian in its approach to the work of the church and ecclesiastical structure? Who has the right to declare the business of the denomination? and the business of the church and who has the authority to serve on such committees in, in, in deal with um, whether it be foreign missions or whether it be, uh, you know, missions uh, you know, within the bonds of the existing denomination and who has oversight of them? Does the synod have that right or does a board have that right. And we, um, like most Presbyterian denominations, have given that authority over to boards and are now, you know, for various reasons, most of them have, having to do with uh, financial interests, you know, reducing the cost of uh, such things, returning that power back to the Senate. You know, no longer having uh, a hired staff to look after these things, but to have men 
authorized by the Church of Christ on the local level, ministers and elders uh, oversee that work and to ensure that that work is being done in light of the wishes of the Senate. For our listeners who might not be quite as familiar with James Henley Thornwell and particularly with the historical context around his support of these ideas of the proper distribution, the biblical distribution of power and exercise of authority in the church, I refer you very simply to prior episodes of the podcast where my predecessor Bill Hill interviewed Dr. Nick Wilborn regarding what are called the Thornwell-Hodge debates over church boards. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Ben, you mentioned that the retirement plan or the pension plan was the big issue at Synod this year, and you gave us some detail about it. Could you go into it a little bit further and open up for us what the Synod is doing to address what is a financial crisis in your Rawls retirement plan? The basic problem is is that we were, uh, at first, told we were about $13 million in the hole in regards to that plan. Now, uh, we have a report, a special committee. Um, we like to come up with fancy name for them. So it was called the Sconar Committee, um, which uh, special committee on net assets reallocation. And they uh, went back and really looked through the books and discovered it's not 13, it's really eight and a half million dollars. Now, you know, that's still a lot of money, but they, that committee was able to, um, work to secure about $6.3 million to cover that $8.5 million shortfall. So, you know, the Lord has been incredibly gracious to us in providing the funds that we need to meet the responsibility that we have to retired ministers and Senate employees and to provide for them what has been promised to them. Now, obviously, we still have $2.2 million, but that's a much more manageable amount to uh, work towards. And also as part of that, we had to discuss and figure out a way to take care of men who have already put money into that. How much are they going to get back of that? What are we going to do for them? So that was a large part of the discussion on the floor at Senate this year was how to go about that. Now, as you noted at the beginning, I'm from West Virginia, and uh, I learned math in West Virginia public schools. So uh, to discuss more about that would involve me taking my shoes off. And uh, I don't think it might need that. So um, we you know, have been receiving communication since Senate. And that's an ongoing work uh, to establish uh, you know, exactly the future of that. Right now, we're partnering with the PCA and the RBI to set up a 4013B for those who, who are interested in that. But we're also allowing those who would like to opt out to uh, take their um, buyout and put it into private uh, retirement funds. And so that's an ongoing work right now. And we'll hear more about that at Senate in 2022. But the thing primarily to take from it is how blessed, again, the Lord has, has has been to us as a denomination and this could have gone very bad and it could have gone almost in a, a in a terminal direction for the denomination but we again have been blessed both by the men of the Sconar committee and by the the, the gifts of private individuals 
uh, to meet the need. And we again continue to see uh, the mercy of God upon the AARP in the midst of, again, something that could have been much worse. And so we give thanks uh, for uh, the future work we're going to get to do as a denomination because of the hard work of, uh, of, of godly men. I'm continuing to pray for the ARP and my friends in the ARP as you all sort through these difficult issues regarding the retirement plan and the pension plan. And my hope is that we do see a creative and effective resolution to the crisis in the years ahead. And, and just for our listeners' benefits, if you're unfamiliar with some of the terminology that was used, RBI stands for Retirement and Benefits Incorporated. This is a permanent agency of the PCA, and it specializes in advising ministers and their families on matters pertaining to retirement plans, benefit packages, uh, insurance of all kinds, particularly life insurance, health insurance, and disability insurance, and navigating um, those murky waters as a minister where you also have mixed into that uh, very peculiar regulations regarding your taxes and, and housing allowances and the like. Shifting gears a little bit, the ARP has seen some transfer growth over the last couple of years with congregations and even individuals um, coming into the ARP as something of a safe haven uh, against the rising tide of madness in our culture, and particularly as it's sadly affecting the broader Reformed Church. Things like critical race theory, celibate gay Christianity, uh, revoice theology, whatever you want to call it, these kinds of things don't seem to be given any quarter in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. What posture is the synod taking, or the denomination as a whole taking, in light of the fact that more and more individuals and congregations are looking at the ARP as something of a safe haven and as an option uh, for continuing a reformational witness here in the United States? One of the things that came out of this synod, too, uh, we love setting up special committees. That's, a, that's our thing. But uh, this year, we set up a special committee to look at restructuring our presbyteries. Uh, one of the things about having a denomination where a lot of our churches are congregated in the Carolinas and Georgia, that means some of our uh, outlying presbyteries uh, are, uh, are, are weak in some ways. And so a concern that we have is that with churches who may be interested in being ARP, and again, we would like for every Presbyterian church in the United States to be ARP. <laughs> Our goal is for there to be an established church in the United States and it be ARP. And to work towards that goal, we would like to see our outlying presbyteries strengthen. We would like to see them you know, build up. And how we're going to do that is an open question. You know, it's somewhat difficult to do when you're spread out like Mississippi Valley Presbytery or uh, Northeast Presbytery and where you have churches in the Houston, Texas metro that are a part of my presbytery in eastern South Carolina. And so how do we minister rightly to all these churches while preparing for the possibility of churches who are interested in being ARP. So I'm looking forward to the report of that committee at Synod in 2022. But also one of the things we're doing as well on uh, the question about the things that, that the PCA is dealing with, with revoice and the like, 
is in 2019, we put out a statement on human sexuality that uh, you can find on ARPchurch.org uh, that uh, makes very clear our position that there is no such thing as a gay Christian. Uh, there is no such thing as side A or side B or anything of the like. You know, there is a biblical position and then there's a non-biblical position. And so we've been very clear on that. And I said, if you want to read that, you know, I'm sure you can link that at the at the end of this. But uh, those are little things that we're doing right now to prepare. And like I said, we'd love everybody to ARP. We'd love everybody to have a giant picture of Ebenezer Erskine up in their uh, foyer. And we highly recommend that they go read uh, Ebenezer and Ralph any chance to get. And not to mention my personal favorite, Alexander Moncrief, who was a true anti-burger and uh, a man who sits right here above me uh, in my study. That's great. We actually have Ebenezer Erskine in our hallway in our first floor here at the seminary. We have a bunch of portrait art uh, around of uh, different prominent figures in Reformed Church history. And on the first floor is mostly Presbyterians and then Martin Luther. And then on the second floor, it would be mostly Continental Reformed guys and then a few other American Presbyterians. But we got Ebenezer Erskine right here out, outside of my office along with Hodge and Thornwell next to each other, B.B. Warfield. I have um, Francis Scrimke, John Gloucester, and uh, Lemuel Haynes right next to my office, and then have um, you know a bunch of other figures that I can name, James Bannerman and, um, and John Gresham Machen and, and, and others as well. So it's, um, I know who you're talking about. And more than being familiar with his likeness drawn for us in the portrait, I, I've read some of his work as well, and I can strongly uh, recommend it to our listeners. Um, ben, I, we've covered a lot of ground today, but I want to give you kind of an opportunity to sound off on the last call. It might be something you've already talked about, might be something else entirely, but what was the single most encouraging takeaway for you from Synod, and, and maybe what ought we to be concerned about or be praying for for the ARP? I'll do the concern first and then end on a positive note. You know, one thing to be praying for the ARP as we go about doing the hard work of reorganizing and streamlining, and especially as we deal with financial questions, pray for wisdom. Pray that we handle it in the right way. That satisfies both our responsibilities uh, in the fifth commandment as well as in the eighth commandment. And we also uh, do it in a spirit of Christian love. Now, I say that to go into the positive part. One of the things I love about the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church is that even when stuff gets a little, li little heated on the floor, you'll see those same men standing in line, getting ready to eat some good food at First Columbia, slapping each other on the back, giving hugs and talking about uh, you know, all kinds of things. And it's a real encouragement in the ARP to see the brotherly love. Hey, somebody from Philadelphia, I know you enjoy that word. Uh, see the brotherly love in the ARP. Yeah, we are, we're a bunch of good old boys, and we love each other. And we don't allow the things of church politics to get in the way of that love. And that's probably my favorite thing about the ARP. Yeah. I, Somebody asked me one time to describe the ARP 
in one sentence and I told them, well, you know, we're reformed. We ain't mad about it. <laughs> and so we, uh, we, we love an ARP. And like I said, we want everybody to be ARP because they're just like nothing better. Ben, thank you so much for your time. This has been a great interview and very enjoyable. You've uh, helpfully laid out for us some of the issues facing the ARP as well as many of the encouragements about being a minister in the ARP. We are thankful for your ministry there at Bethany in Clover, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Amen. Well, I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to this edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. To help ensure that we can continue to produce content from a Reformed and Confessional Presbyterian perspective, please consider making a gift of support in any amount at gpts.edu. For more information about Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, please visit gpts.edu.